Voices of Wisdom Bible Church, the church of a distant Christian. The power of the altar. It seems like we, we ran up last week, but the way I'm saying it now, it's like the Holy Spirit is not yet willing to quit us from receiving understanding on that subject. So we may take another two Sundays before we'll be able to exhaust the number of things he has applied to my heart to be delivered to you. Uh, you will recollect that last week we deal with the issue of protecting your spiritual fidelity. So what we discussed last week is protecting your spiritual fidelity. And in the course of that discussion, our attention were drawn to a number of supposed harmless social cultural practices that we found out may have negative spiritual implications on our faith and destiny and should therefore be avoided. That will fill me to go into the highlights of those number of issues. In the course of the discussion too, we were warned to desist from things that may be socially and culturally convenient for us, but which are ultimately not spiritually expedient for our earthly and eternal destiny. So we find out that there are many practices that are socially and culturally convenient for us, but on the long run, we find them to be ultimately not spiritually expedient for both our earthly and eternal destiny and therefore should be avoided. Now, we will continue in that same spirit today so that we will be fully aware of other things that can cause spiritual pollution, that can cause destiny damage and that we should avoid them. And so, the focus for today will be escaping spiritual pollution. Escaping spiritual pollution. Now, if God permits, uh, we hope to draw the curtain maybe next week by discussing practical technical tidbits on how to repair a broken altar differently from how to revive a fireless altar or clean up the altar that is polluted or desecrated with strange fire. So the syllabus is still a long way to be covered. But I'm trusting the Lord that uh, we will follow the Holy Spirit through and through until we are fully equipped, thoroughly furnished unto living a godly life in the name of Jesus. Now, I take note and I want you to also underscore that what the church should preoccupy herself with mostly is how to maintain the purity and the potency of our altar. But instead, we are covetously and carelessly fraternizing with the powers of darkness and in the process, we end up bringing and burning strange fire on the altar of God. But as the Holy Spirit illuminates us on this matter, 
we will no longer continue in that evil error in the name of jesus so ultimately okay it is it, it is like god is using this message to bring us back to biblical living what do i call it biblical living so in the way we live our spiritual life and the way we conduct ourselves generally biblical method must never be considered outdated for handling modern challenges biblical method must never be considered outdated for handling modern challenges why if we do we will end up with the sin of polluting or infecting the altar with strange fire from demonic and abominable practices so as the new testament sees of abraham that is who we are hallelujah we are the new testament sees of abraham and heirs of salvation greater purity is demanded of us than even the heirs of the old covenant do you understand that that as new covenant or new testament sees of abraham and as heirs unto of salvation greater life of purity of holiness is demanded of us that is even higher than the one required of the heirs of the old covenant the only big difference is that we have the holy spirit to help us fulfill the demands of god hallelujah somebody say i have the holy spirit so all that you are to run away from you are not going to do it by your human strength the holy spirit will help you all the good that you are supposed to embrace is not going to be by your power but the holy spirit is there to help you if you will obey the word of god and lean on the holy spirit it's not going to be difficult for you to live the sanctified life it's not going to be difficult for you to lead the seconds the the the, the, the sacrificial life that is holy and acceptable unto God. Now, let's take the bearing now from some of the demand from the people of Israel that also made it necessary for us by the Holy Spirit to maintain and surpass the same standard in relationship to how the people of the world live and we are expected not to live as such Deuteronomy 18 I start the reading from verse 9 we will stop on verse 14 Deuteronomy chapter 18 I'll start the reading from verse 9 and I'll stop on verse 14 when thou art come into the land with the Lord thy God giveth thee, thou shalt not learn to do after the abominations of those nations. Now, here is God talking to the people of Israel as they were advancing to the land of Canaan. When they get there, they will meet other nations there. Some of them, they will fight them and defeat them immediately. Some other, they will have to continue to live as neighbor and god knew that the temptation will be real for them to want to live after the pattern of the neighboring nations and so he started to warn them of those things diabolical things that those people are involved in okay 
that may look attractive to the poor of Israel and they want to live as such. So he warned them that those things are dangerous for both their earthly and eternal destiny. Those things are dangerous if they really want to maintain an intimacy with him. If they want to be his people, then they must live differently from the people of the world. So he said, when thou art come into the land, with the Lord thy God give thee, thou shalt not learn to do after the abomination of those nations. There shall not be found among you anyone that maketh his son or his daughter to pass through the fire. Or that you set divination, or an observer of times, or an enchanter, or a witch, or a charmer, or a consulter with familiar spirit, or a wizard, or a necromancer. For all that do these things are an abomination unto the Lord. And because of this abomination, the Lord that God doth drive them out from before thee. Thou shalt be perfect with the Lord thy God. Say, Lord, help me to be perfect with you. Say, Holy Spirit, help me to be perfect with the Lord. So that is the expectation of God. And when Jesus came, he said, be, be thou perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. For this nation which thou shalt possess, hacking unto observers of time and unto diviner. But as for thee, the Lord thy God had not suffered thee so to do. So whatever you see them doing and it's working for them, maybe they go to fight war and they demonstrate some magical power and uh, it looks like as if, okay, so there's a way to go around this thing, okay, using a, a familiar spirit. You should never for any reason copy them. Praise the name of the Lord. Now, we come to Jesus in Matthew 5.20. He has said a lot of things about life in him before we got to verse 20. He has talked about we being the light of the world. He has talked about we being the salt of the earth and so on and so forth. Now, in verse 20, now say, for I say unto you, that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. Praise the name of the Lord. Now, all that I read for us in the book of Deuteronomy, that God has given as commanded to the people of Israel, when we come to the New Testament, chief among the people that were upholding it and were living by that standard were the Pharisees. Are we together? Now, Jesus now came and said, Now I have separated you unto myself. You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. Praise the name of the Lord. But as for you, you are now under grace. And that grace has not given you the liberty, okay, to obey the law less than the Pharisees. Are we together? Now, the difference is that we are, you are now empowered to do it in the right context. You are now empowered to do it with the right spirit. That's the difference. 
So he went for that song where he said he has not come to abolish the law, but rather to fulfill the law. So he now said unto them, Except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. So we are not to take grace as liberty to live a sinful life. That's the summary. We are not to take grace as the liberty to do things anyhow. We are not to take grace as liberty okay, to abuse the things of God and do things haphazardly and think grace will cover for us. So, in addition to the issues we addressed last week, we are also going to come up with some other issues that we should give attention to. Because if we don't give attention to them, we end up allowing our spirituality to be polluted. And it's going to be to both our earthly and eternal disadvantage. So, when the apostle came and said we should, we should come out from among them, and be holy and be separate unto the Lord. It is the same standard that God has maintained. Praise the name of the Lord. So, now, I'm going to add to the list of, I think we mentioned 12 things last week. So today, I'm going to add to the list and see how far the Holy Spirit will help us to go today. Number one, from this text we read, God was telling the people of Israel that the people you are going to meet in the land, they will have certain cultural practices that will involve them coming together for ritual ceremony that will make them to make their children to pass through fire and so on and so forth. So we too, as New Testament believers, New Testament covenant people of God, we must beware of the kind of cultural or ceremonial event that we attend. Beware of the kind of cultural or ceremonial event that you attend. So, event that involves passing through fire. Because most of those sin of the Canaanites that God abolished, most of those things are now being revived. Hello? most of those things are now being revived. In fact, some of the idolatrous practices okay, that our patriarchs of faith in Africa okay, abandoned to embrace the Lord Jesus Christ, most of those things are now being revived. And some of them are even being brought into the church under the disguise of prophetic actions. So, you get to some places, okay, where they say they are manifesting the prophetic uh, anointing. And you begin to query, are there, these people are actually for Jesus or they are for idol worship? And so and so forth. And yet, we bring it under the banner of doing church. So, beware of the kind of cultural or ceremonial event that you attend. So, event that involves passing through fire, cutting of the flesh. You recollect on Mount Camel, whereby Elijah came 
to rebuild the altar. So when you now bring those things into the church and you are saying you are doing prophetic action, we want to ask what is the source of the water you are using? Am I talking to somebody? When the Bible talks about washing by the washing of water, <laughs> it was very specific, said by the word of God, Ephesians 5 or so. Are we together? Number what? Three. Drink only the herbs. You are sure the source are purely from plants and nothing more. Both the book of Genesis and Psalms made it very clear to us that God has given us these apps for food. Praise the name of the Lord. So it's not wrong for you to take apps, but be sure that you are drinking or eating from a source that is from plants and nothing more. So whenever you are mandated to make incantation, or recite verses of any form that are not Bible texts, you are already going into idolatry and occultism. So, it's not wrong for you to affect leaves. Okay? If you know that uh, they, are, they can cure one kind of uh, uh, disease or the other, or it can grant you immunity one way or the other, so, but you should know the source from where you are investing it. Okay? But a situation whereby they will tell you that when you want to invest this particular leaf, you go early in the morning, okay? And you say certain incantation to the leaf. That one is no longer of God. Are we together? Or you go in the evening. This is the, the things you are going to pronounce on it. Or after you have cooked it, before you drink it, Okay? Uh, pour this powder inside it that you don't know what they grind them together to make the powder. Apart from the fact that uh, you may be joining yourself to the altars of the devil, you may be also ingesting things into your life that will give you a chronic sickness later in future. Are, are we together? Many people in the process have deposited a lot of carcinogenic materials into their body and suddenly they say he has cancer where did he got the cancer from so on and so forth all of those things are depositing gradually as carcinogenic material and eventually they discover they will develop uh, cancer number the idea of coloring water and calling it the blood of Jesus is strength to the table of communion commanded by Jesus to be observed by believers. The idea of coloring water and calling it the blood of Jesus is a common thing today. It's a practice in certain quarters today whereby they will color water and they will call it the blood of Jesus and give it to people to drink. It's strange to the table of communion commanded by Jesus to be observed by believers because the closest biblical practice that they exploit to do that is the communion table. So the items of the communion table are clearly stated as bread and wine. The Bible says, and he took the bread 
on living bread, okay? And he, he, he blessed it and broke it. And he took the cup. What was in the cup? Wine. Praise the name of the Lord. So the idea of uh, putting any strange color inside one particular water, and you call it miracle water, and so on and so forth, is very strange to the table communion. I mean, to the table of communion commanded by Jesus to be observed by believers. Number five. Now, if they tell you to make incision on your tongue or lick an object that has been dedicated on any satanic altar before you can pray or make either good or bad pronouncement, you have sold out to Satan and you have become his agent. Hello? They said, before you, you pronounce this kind of, you want to bless your child, you want to bless your daughter that is going for marriage. They say you make incision under your, under your tongue to make the pronouncement. Or young people that are going into ministry, okay, they want to give you secrets to, to, to say things and it come to pass. And so you have to make incision on your tongue. Or you are asked to lick a particular object. Okay, you are taken to a shrine and you are asked to lick a particular stone. All of those practices they are not biblical. So once you get yourself engaged in such, uh, you have become Satan agent. You have sold out your, your soul to Satan. It can also be as a result of the fact that maybe you have conflict with somebody and it's so clear that the person has cheated you. The person has oppressed you. Okay? And uh, they want you to take vengeance. So you can be introduced into such things as Christian. Don't do that. Vengeance is of the Lord. Am I talking to somebody? Now, these are the time to spell it out. Because there's so much confusion today, both in the larger society and in the church, to the extent that uh, we can no longer clearly differentiate between light and darkness. Number what now? Six. Visiting of strange places such as Market Square, Road Junction, Cemetery, and what have you to appease the dead or other invisible forces are avenue of selling out to Satan. So they will give you Psalms. To be used to pray, but they will tell you that go and pray it in the open market. Sometimes they will ask you to go and pray it in the road junction. They tell you the particular hour of the night when you should do it. Okay. Sometimes they ask you to be naked when you are doing it. Sometimes they ask you to wrap white cloth around yourself. Okay, sometimes they go as far as saying to make it uh, look attractive to you, they ask you to put salt in your tongue or put honey in your tongue before you do the prayer. But you have to do the prayer in an area or an environment that is most likely an altar of the devil. Hello. Number seven.
Is my speed good for you? Do I step it up or step it down? Yeah, it's good for you. Number seven. Now. Activities that degrade your human dignity. Such as prophets sleeping with you. Or buffing you is devilish and exploitative. So this, the closest example they will give us is that the uh, uh, prophet Elisha, am I right? Asked Naaman to go and bath in River Jordan. But if you read that story carefully, Elisha did not even follow Naaman to the river. But you carry another woman's wife to the river and you are bathing her. You carry another man's daughter to the river and you are bathing her. Yeah. All such activities that degrade your human dignity. Am I talking to somebody? But my prayer for you is that the power of God, of the word of God, and of prayer will be sufficient to handle your challenges in the name of Jesus. Because they take advantage of your problem and the fact that you cannot handle it properly to molest you. So, such activity that degrade your human dignity, prophet sleeping with you, bathing you, is... Uh, devilish and exploitative so avoid such number eight avoid merchants of sex for healing it has gone so bad that some prophets will sleep with women to exhaust demon out of them according to them so they say there are some demons that have uh, penetrated people's body and the way they will, they will cast it out is to sleep with them. So, they are, they are the ones I call sex merchants. Of, I mean, merchant of sex for healing, merchant of sex for blessing and deliverance. Please, this type of people, avoid them like a plague. How many of you will know that somebody carry Ebola Okay, and you shake hand with that person. You know what they call Ebola? It's more terrible than coronavirus. So, prophets or whoever, pastors, apostles, whoever, okay, that is a merchant of sex for healing, blessing, and deliverance, avoid them like plague. Number nine or ten? Nine. As believers in Christ, you should not patronize churches, pastors, or prophets who do such things. So we are still on number eight. Now, number nine now. You must be proud to associate with the emblems of the gospel. Be proud to associate with the emblem of the gospel. I told you last week already that logos have spiritual connotation. 
logo has what? Spiritual connotation. So you should know the basic emblems of the Christian faith and proudly associate with them. Your Bible. Be proud to carry the hardcover Bible. Be proud to have one and be proud to read. Okay? And apply what you read from it. The brethren. Be proud to associate with the brethren. Attend fellowship. Attend prayer meeting. Attend Bible study. Attend Sunday school. Come to leaders breakfast. When you come for Sunday worship, okay, be patient enough. Be proud. When somebody calls you, where are you? I am in the church. Are we together? Don't jump out of the church to go and receive a, a visitor. Okay, rather, if you are in church, tell the visitor you are in church. Give the visitor the address of the church. Let the person come and meet you in the church. The cross. I told you the type of cross that is safe for you to use as emblem. And so on and so forth. You need to do all of this for faith identity. Use them for faith what? Identity. Not as deities. Okay, use them for faith identity. Not as what? As deity. Might just must someone do, sir. Not even your hardcover Bible. Hello. So the Bible that you don't, the Bible that you don't read. The Bible that you don't meditate on. The Bible that you don't obey its instruction. Okay? You now use it as pillow to chase away witches and uh, wizards. That's a wrong use of the Bible. You are now using it as a deity, not for spiritual identity. Are, are we together? But what about you that have gone to school and you can read the Bible? Okay, and you will not read it. Okay? And even the one we are preaching to you, you will not obey. Okay? You only want to use it as a pillow. So don't use them as deity. They are not magical items. They are not what? Magical items. Now, I will therefore from here open your eyes to some basic things that will help you to understand what I'm talking and be more biblical in the practice of your faith. Conventionally, part of the reason believers are to lay hands and not item of prayer is to prevent us from idolizing the items. Hello? You know, conventionally, as a pastor, if I want to pray for you, okay, there's no dispute about laying of hands. Because Jesus himself, okay, give all believers the liberty to do that. But today, we are not satisfied with laying of hands. Okay, we try to look for all manners of items that we want people to identify with. Mark 16. I read from verse 17. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, 
Now, this scripture I'm reading from the first phrase that I read, this sign shall follow them that believe. Who are the people being addressed here? Yeah? Believers. Praise the name of the Lord. So, and it does not say the grade of the believer. So, if you believe today and you believe sincerely, or you have believed a thousand years ago, okay, you didn't state uh, what stage of your spiritual growth. He said, them that believe. How many believers do I have in the house? Are you a believer? Shout hallelujah. And this sign shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devil. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sea and they shall recover. Now, in the days of uh, Apostle Paul, we began to see, or in the days of the Apostle, we began to see certain things that goes beyond laying of hand. Why? Because before Jesus left, said, this work that I do, greater works you will do. But that we are to do greater works does not mean we should nullify Jesus' method or biblical method. Are we together? So, the works will be greater, but the method must remain the same. So, we don't need to change the method, okay, to improve the output. So, but in the days of Apostle Paul, we saw the use of apron for the first time. Apart from the day of Elijah, okay, whereby the mantle of uh, Elijah fell into the hand of Elisha and he used it to part the water. After parting the water, where else did you read that Elijah used the mantle? Student of the Bible. Our teacher, sir. Hello. I'm going somewhere. I'm not saying use the use of mantle is not correct. Now, in the day of Apostle Paul, the use of apron in the days of Apostle Paul was informed by distance, not convention. Hello. Not tradition. So, the original that Jesus commanded, and there will be no controversy about it, is we should do what? Lay hands. But in the days of Apostle Paul, we saw the use of apron, which today has become popular as the use of mantu. Are we together? But if you read that story carefully, you will take note that what instructed that was not convention. What instructed that was not tradition. What instructed that does not make it a, and, uh, uh, that Paul did it that time does not make it a general standard. Are we with me? Acts 19, 11 and 12. 
and God wrought special miracle by the hands of Paul. You will lay hand. And by the hands of Paul. Okay? If you want to take it literally, by the hands of Paul. Okay? If you want to take it interpretatively. Okay? Through the ministry of Paul. And God wrought special miracle by the hands of Paul. So that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchief or apron. Hello? So, which means that those people that the apron or the handkerchief were used on were not within the immediate vicinity of Paul. Hello? Let's take verse 12 again. So that from his body were brought unto the sick. So, which means Apostle Paul was not there. And his ministry was required. Are we together? So, the way to now take his ministry to those who needed his ministry was to take apron from him to those people. So, that's why I said, what informed the use of apron was distance, not convention, not tradition. Are we together? So that from his body were brought unto the sick, handkerchief or apron. And the diseases departed from them. And the evil spirit went out of them. That's King James Version. Now, NIV. So that evil handkerchief and apron that had touched him were taken to the sick. Distance. Are we together? And their illnesses were cured, and the evil spirit left them. So, which therefore means the correct use of that, if the Holy Spirit is to inspire that, and we are still going to be led to do that, we should recognize that uh, the most appropriate use will be when distance is involved. Am I talking to somebody? It's possible that we have the sick in the UISPH there. Okay, and for one reason or the other, the sick cannot come here. Okay, and the hospital is also not giving access. Or the man of God cannot be, be, uh, cannot be available to go there. Then we can pray on the handkerchief and ask the, uh, one of the relatives or the, um, the care provider to go there and use it to pray. You read other versions too, you will discover that the context is still the issue of distance, not convention. We are going somewhere. In the case of Elisha, who sent Gehazi with his staff or rod to go and raise the son of the Sunamite woman. You know, the Sunamite woman that got a son by miracle and the son died. And the woman ran to prophet Elisha. Oh, in the first place, I didn't ask for a child. Now, you gave me the child. You raised my joy. And the joy is so lived. The child has died. Now, Elisha called Gehazi his servant and gave him his staff. I said, go there and lay it on the child. But the woman said, no. I insist that you must also go for me or go with me. And interestingly, 
Elisha stood up immediately and started to go. Okay? But I thought Elisha was thinking about the urgency of the matter. Was the reason he was commissioning Elisha, I mean Gehazi, to go. And if you read that story we are going to read, you will discover that as uh, Elisha was coming as an elderly man, Gehazi had outrun them to be there. And by the time he got there and he laid the staff and nothing happened, the man of God now had to come in. So you, from here you can see that again here it was distance that informed the use of the rod as against the man of God being there to pray. So when Elisha arrived there by himself, he need not use the rod again. He had to minister to the child by laying on the child. Are we together? Second King chapter 4, verse 29. Then he said to Gehazi, Guard up thy loins, and take my staff in thy hand, and go thy way. If thou meet any man, salute him not. And if any salute thee, answer him not again, and lay my staff upon the face of the child. And the mother of the child said, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And he arose and followed her. And Gehazi passed on before them, and laid the staff upon the face of the child. But there was neither voice nor hearing. Wherefore he went again to meet him, and told him, saying, The child is not awake. And when Elisha was come into the house, you can see now that Elisha was following Behold, the child was dead and laid upon his bed. He went in therefore and shut the door upon them to him and prayed unto the Lord. And he went up and lay upon the child and put his mouth upon his mouth and his eye upon his eye and his hand upon his hand and he stretched himself upon the child and the flesh of the child waxed warm. Then he returned and walked in their house to and fro and went on and stretched himself upon him and the child sneezed seven times and the child opened his eyes and he called Gehazi and said call this Unamai so he called her and when she was come in unto him he said take up thy son then she went in and fell at his feet and bowed herself to the ground and took up her son and went out praise the name of the Lord from here it can be it is very clear to us that even prophet Elisha did not put his confidence in his staff. He put his confidence in God. That was why when he went there, he prayed unto God. And he didn't go back to begin to use the staff. And say, as if, okay, this rod has always been doing it. It must do it again. This rod has always been doing it. It must do it again. No! But what did he do? Hello? He prayed unto God. Then another prophetic action that God gives him, he exercised that. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So, to me, it is suspicious that a man of God will be physically present and will still require the use of apron, special ring, Esoteria as instrument of prayer. Are we together? He is physically present. You know, 
Elisha was physically present. His rod was present. Okay? But he was no longer relying on the rod. So, but a situation whereby the man of God in time is really present. Ha! And he said, oh, I didn't come with the ring. Let me go back home and go and bring the ring. It's suspicious. Whereby a man of God will be physically present and the standing order of Jesus Christ that believers will lay hand. He cannot trust God and lay hand. Be a hand. He will have to wait for the somebody to bring the ring. He will have to wait for somebody to bring the mantle. It's suspicious. So, once you are physically present, it is only in the case of the sick. Okay? You can still go ahead and anoint with oil. But laying of hand is conventionally most suitable. Please bear in mind that it is also even not your hand that is performing the miracle. Hello? It's not your hand that is performing the miracle. One centurion had a great faith to the extent that he told Jesus, you don't need to come to my house. Just speak the word. Praise the name of the Lord. So, it's not even your hand that's performing the miracle, but the word of God. Your faith and that of the recipient of the miracle, that's what is doing the miracle. James 5, 14. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him. Anointing with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. And the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sin, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your fault one to another. And pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man. I feel it much. When eventually James will summarize, the attention was on the prayer, not even on the oil. Hello? It is a the specialty of the oil. We do the work, but the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous. So, a situation whereby you cannot pray at all or exercise sufficient faith except you wear a special prayer cloth or you have some prayer item with you is idolatrous. Hello? Or somehow, somehow, you are connected consciously or unconsciously to a court. So in the situation whereby you cannot pray at all or exercise sufficient faith except you wear a special prayer cloth or you have some prayer instrument with you, it's idolatrous, even if it is anointing oil. Now, listen to me. I have not said God cannot instruct or command the use of certain items for specific prophetic purpose or action. But we must beware of the common error of turning exception into convention. Turning exception into tradition. Let us beware of that. 
And I give you an example in the Bible. God at a point commanded Moses to construct a brazen serpent in the wilderness as instrument of healing from snake bite. Now, over a time of very long history, the bronze serpent that God himself commanded became an idol. And of course, the Bible commanded another king again. Um, yeah, the Bible commanded another king that came okay, and commanded that that brazen serpent should be destroyed. Numbers 21. I read from verse 6. Are we there? And the Lord sent fiery serpent among the people. And they beat the people. And much people of Israel died. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned. For we have spoken against the Lord and against thee. Pray unto the Lord that he take away the serpent from us. And Moses prayed for the people. Verse 8. And Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent, and set it upon a pole, and it shall come to pass, that everyone that is beaten, when he looketh upon it, shall live. Verse 9. And Moses made a serpent of brass, and put it upon a pole, and it came to pass, that if a serpent had beaten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. Okay, and because of that, the people now went ahead and hold on to that. And it took away their focus from God. And that uh, bronze serpent became an idol over time. So that's why I said we must beware. Even when God has commanded a prophetic action or has allowed you to use an item and uh, it was very, very, very effective okay, because God commanded it at the time. It is an exception. Okay? Don't turn it to a convention or a tradition. Second King 18, 1 to 4. Now it came to pass in the third year of Hosea, son of Elah, king of Israel, that Ezekiah, the son of Haz, king of Judah, began to reign. Twenty and five years old was he when he began to reign. And he reigned twenty and nine years in Jerusalem. His mother's name also was Abai, and the daughter of Zechariah. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. We're going to see one of those right things he did. According to all that David his father did, verse 4, he removed the high places. Now, those are places where they were worshipping others, other than Jehovah God. And break the images and cut down the grooves, the shrines, and break in pieces the brazen serpent that Moses had made. So, as at that time, over time in history, what God himself instituted has become equated with demons. Has been reduced. They think they were elevating it. Okay? But rather, they were reducing it to the level of idols. And so when Hosea came, it was destroyed altogether. For unto those days, the children of Israel did burn incense to it and call it Nehustan. 
So they have made it a god. They have made it an idol. Some of you have made your anointing oil an idol. Some of you have made mantu an uh, idol. Some of you have made geochia an idol. So whatever can reduce God in the estimation of men to the status of idol or any small God that can be represented by physical item or image is not the gospel. Am I talking to somebody? Anything, whatever, that can reduce God in the estimation of men to the status of idol, okay, and you think, oh, once this mantle is not with me, God is not with me, then you have reduced God to ordinary textile. Are we together? Oh, once this ring is not with me, wait, then God cannot move. Then you have reduced God to the work of Smith men. So, whatever can reduce God in the estimation of men to the status of idol or any small God that can be represented by physical item or image is not the gospel. Thank God for Daniel as a random and his three Hebrew friends. Up to today, they stand out as great example of men who are prepared to pay the supreme price to maintain their spiritual fidelity starting from their diet the bible said these men refuse to corrupt themselves with the king's meat because they know that this food that they are bringing to serve them first and foremost they will present before the god of babylon praise the name of the lord before they will serve them. And these people say, no, it may be sumptuous meal. We will not eat it. Just give us vegetable. And they stayed on vegetable. And they survived. And they become better. And they were found ten times better than their equal. If you also stand with God and God alone, God will make you become better than those who are feeding on the altars of demon. Say, I am becoming better than those who are feeding on the altars of demons. So, they resisted all open and stopped to move to make them bow to the God of evil altar. If you can also take note of all this, you will protect your spiritual fidelity and you avoid selling your soul to the devil. God bless you in Jesus' name. So, next week, by the grace of God, you want to clap for Jesus, do it for him. So next week, by the grace of God, if the Holy Spirit does not enlarge the syllabus, we will round up with technicality of handling broken, fireless, and infected altars. You are welcome in Jesus' name. We believe you'll be blessed by the ministry of this message. You will do well to be the doer of all you've heard. For further inquiry and spiritual help, contact this number, 080 or worship with us at Oasis of Wisdom Bible Church, Adjacent University of Ilorin, Teaching Hospital, Okiosi Ilorin. God bless you.